that, brother. I really do. I, I appreciate it. But I appreciate not only where it sounded, but the truth of it. Boy, if he had not risen from the dead, we wouldn't have any victory. And I know the world can't understand it. And I'm not expecting them to understand it. But I thank God tonight we can have a better time here than they can have at any ball game or anything else. Now, someone had told me that years ago. I'd have said, you're crazy. Because I was an athlete, and I just lived to play ball. And I had good times, and, and I gave my whole heart to everything I did. And, and I love to win. But when it comes to Christ and the church, I got more than I ever had out there. And I'm just thankful to my God tonight that he lets me play on first team. Like I said last night, I want to, but he'll let me play on first team no matter what happens as long as I just stay right with him. And I, I can get to where I can't even preach. I, I may get sick one of these days and be confined to a bed, but I'll pray for those who can. I can still play on first team. Say the world, the athletes of the world, when they can't play anymore... They just put them on a shelf. But God doesn't. You can play as long as you can pray. <laughs> and amen. And you, I tell you, his retirement program is out of this world. <clears throat> now, let me just take a moment. I only do this one time about the tapes that are out there. Now, the tapes, most of them, I imagine, the ones we brought here last time. We're reworking our whole tape ministry. And I, I, we just got some together and brought them down here. We hope to, in another week or two, to have all these ready for uh, kind of like a new beginning for us. We're going to have even videotapes on some of the sermons I'm preaching on salvation are going to be put in a series on video. Now, he mentioned the hot tape. We did something, Brother Preacher. It wasn't a brown one. It's in the red one now. When you see the red one, you know that's what we call the hot tape. Now, if you're visiting and you don't know anything about that, if you're not used to shouting and praising the Lord, don't get that red one. Now, that red one is preached at a camp meeting. Now, they're Baptists. They're not, they're not charismatics. They're not, they're not Pentecostal. They're Baptists. Southern Baptist campground. But I won't tell you, it is a shouting hallelujah time. And it's not because I did the preaching. God just happened to put me on program when it was hot. <laughs> and so those sermons in the red tape, one of them is called Why the Devil Wouldn't Like It If He Went to Heaven. Now, I'm not going to even try to explain that. If you, you'll just have to listen to that. But the other one is the greatest thing, and then three reasons why I can't quit. All these are preached at the camp meeting. The blue one is confusion, what it is, where it comes from, how to get rid of it. That'll help you in your salvation if you're already saved. And you get confused. It'll show you where the confusion comes from and how to get rid of that. The sermon I preached here night, last night or night before in the glory of the new birth, ever when that was? Seemed like I've been here forever. And I don't mean that in a bad sense. I mean that in a good sense. I feel so at home. I feel like I've been down here for a while. But that, that was also preached at the camp meeting. And salvation compared to marriage was a sermon that was requested in a camp meeting that some had requested me to 
explain some things about salvation, so I just wound up preaching that, and that's all in the blue one, and the bone color one is victory over the giant in your life, where's the light of the Lord God, and revival in the graveyard Baptist church. And I won't explain that one either. Then uh, the one that's in the brown album is discontent with the forerunner of revelation. Those who bring out the worst in you may be the best for you, and bitterness the sweetness. That was a part, three part, three sermons of a five-part series preached in Ypsilanti, Michigan at a camp meeting. The one in the burgundy is the one your pastor mentioned on God's forgiveness of me, my, then God's forgetfulness of sin, and then my forgiveness of myself. Now that one has been a blessing to folks on my forgiveness of myself because I've seen so many who said, Preacher, I know God's forgiven me, but how can I forgive myself? And I found it true. It's easier to believe that God forgives me than it is that I can forgive myself. So in order to have victory in your life, you've got to be able to forgive yourself if you've had a past that was filled with sin like mine was. And over the years, I got ashamed of the way that I had lived as a teenager and the things that I had done. And even when God forgave me and saved me, I knew that he had forgiven me. But then he showed me how I could forgive myself. So that's what that sermon is about. And that's in the burgundy. Then in the white, it's real. The reality of salvation is the one that you heard me preach, I, I think, the first night that I was here. And it has part of my testimony on it. It was also preached in the camp meeting in Ypsilanti, Michigan, along with the bride for Isaac and God's mercy. And then there are individual tapes that are out there. Now, we have two booklets that's there, one on questions and doubts and the other on when the morning comes. And anything we've got out there you have questions about, you be sure and ask me. And I won't say anything about those tomorrow. This will be the only time. In our tape ministry, we not, we're not trying to promote ourselves. God taught me a lesson. And that is, if I'm going to live after I die, I've got to leave something behind. So the best way for me to do that is put on tape or video or anything, and if Jesus doesn't come, as long as anybody has a tape or anybody has a book that I've written, I'll continue to live and continue to preach. And so, as the one preacher said one time, he said, why don't you put the things that God's given you in print? And I said, well, I don't know whether they're good enough to put in print. And he said, well, if they're good enough to preach, they're good enough to print. And if they're not good enough to print, they're not good enough to preach. So I said, okay, thank you. <laughs> so I decided then if the Lord be my helper, I'd go ahead and put these things out. Now, most of these I, are preset camp meetings because uh, even though I'm really not a camp meeting preacher, I preach in a lot of camp meetings, and we have our own camp meeting at our church. But I'm grateful to the Lord for the privilege that he lets me get in some places. I, like I told you last night, I get in some places you wouldn't even believe. But that's the reason that God opens the doors for me. I'm glad I got somebody who can give me my own invitation. See, I've never asked a preacher for any invitation. I've never sent out any brochures. I've never sent out anything. And I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you, God is my publicity agent. I mean, if he doesn't do it, it's not going to be done. And I've never asked anybody for any amount of money. I go to any size church. I want an invitation to the pastor without asking them how much money I'll receive or how big the church is. I go to some of them, they're larger than yours. I go to some of them that may not have three or four families. 
But like the pastor said, I try to preach the same way to all of them. It doesn't make any difference how big they are. God told me a lesson one time. There's no such thing as a small church. Jesus said, we're two or three gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst. And anything he's in, you better not call small. So I decided I'd just go anywhere he is. If I find where he is, I'd rather be with two or three in him than have a thousand without him. So it doesn't make any difference. You know, as long as we just do what God says. So I appreciate you coming, and, and I appreciate you listening and helping me. In fact, you folks are going to preach me to death. The good thing I'm leaving after tomorrow. <clears throat> I mean, you, you say amen, nod your head, and all those kind of things, praise the Lord. That's like sick them to, to a dog. <laughs> now, I know, you know, I, I see these fellas, and they're not supposed to enjoy their preaching. Now, first time I ever heard myself preach, I quit the ministry. <clears throat> they taped me over the radio, first time I'd ever heard myself, and I was anxious after I preached over the radio to hear it. And when I heard it, I threw my Bible in the back seat of the car. I said, that is undoubtedly the nearest nothing I have heard in my life. If you can't beat that, you just may as well quit. Well, here I am. I'm still here. <laughs> but finally, I got to where I like my own preaching. Now, I don't mean my delivery. I, 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 I wish sometimes I had a different delivery. I, I kind of like some of those Carolina preachers, you know, who preach and put their foot up here and all that kind of stuff. I, I wish I could preach like they do, but I got to preach like me. You know, I mean, you know, I, I wish some things would change. So I'm not talking about the delivery. I'm talking about the content. See, it works like this. If I go to your house and you put the food on the table and say, boy, you're not going to like this. Chances are good I'm not going to like it. But if you put it on the table and say, I cooked it, it's delicious, it's superb. I want you to know this is the best there is and I can't wait to dig in myself. I'm going to say, shut your mouth and let me get at it. So you know what I decided? If the cook eats their own food, I'll enjoy my own preaching. So if I set the spiritual table and you don't eat it, I don't, just don't bother me while I eat it. So I decided I'll like it if I am doing the preaching. Somebody else doing the preaching, I'll like it as long as it's the Word of God. And I hope that you'll like it. Get, I mean, get you some of it. Oh, don't do like, I'll get around to the sermon in a minute. <laughs> Don't do like these folks who used to, where I used to pastor. Now, where I'm pastoring now, but where I used to pastor, we had these people come by to see us every night. I mean, we had church members at the house every night, always about supper time. So Rachel and I got together one night, and we just, or one day we decided that we was going to pull a sneaky on them and eat an hour early. So I went behind the house, and I cooked some steak. And boy, they must have seen the smoke signals. <laughs> uh, when we went out taking the last one off of the grill, up they drove, two of them. Got out, and one of them said, well, I see you fixing to eat supper, preacher. I said, yes. I didn't even invite them in. They came anyhow. <laughs> and I said, well, come on in. Well, I thought they'd go in the den in the living room, but they didn't do either one. They stood around the table. Well, I said, drag up a chair. So they drag up a chair. I said, would you two fellas like to have something to eat? They said, no, sir. No, thank you. We're full, they said. 
But one pulled the chair right on one side of me, one pulled the chair on the other side of me. We had the blessing, and uh, they looked around the table. But when one of my family had passed the plate to the one on my right, he'd take it and hand it to me. And I'd, take, I'd say, here, have some. He said, oh, thank you. And he'd hand it on to the next one. It went on that way all that meal. I mean, they sat right there. It didn't take one thing, but we put it in their hand, and they wouldn't take any of it. Well, I've seen some church members that way. You can put it out there, but they say, no, thank you, and hand it to somebody else. Somebody said, well, I didn't get anything tonight. You didn't pick up your knife and fork. You didn't bring anything to get anything in. If you don't take some out, don't, don't, don't expect to get anything. So now I'm glad we've come to the meeting house of God, and I'm glad you're so receptive, and I want to thank the Lord for the people that he saved. Amen. If it hadn't been but just one, say, or if it hadn't been anybody saved, it's still been a good time in the Lord. But I sure like to see folks get saved. And it does me good down in my soul. All right, I want you to take your Bible and turn with me. See, I, I, I can kind of take my time tonight. There's not two of us. <laughs> and I'm not complaining. I'm glad Brother Larry was here. He blessed me. God did through him. But I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to have to work my way into this one, too. <clears throat> If I read all that needs to be connected with this sermon, I'd read all of Genesis 24. I'd read the verse I'm fixing to read to you in 2 Corinthians 11 and all of Ephesians chapter 1, especially the first 14 verses, and then we'd go to the book of Revelation and read chapter 19. But I'm not going to take all the time. I'm going to tell it to you. Not just the scripture, but the setting, the backdrop in which this was written. See, Paul makes a statement in verse number 2 of chapter 11, for I... Have, I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now he speaks of our relationship now as being espoused to the Lord Jesus. Now what does that mean? What is my relationship to him? What is the concept Paul had in mind when he speaks of the espousal? Well, in Ephesians chapter 1, if you'll turn with me there now, Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. I know that you know, in the book of Revelation, the Bible says we're headed to a wedding. We're headed to a wedding supper. Now, how is it possible for us to be a spouse and headed to a wedding? Well, you've got to understand the marriage ceremony or the marriage arrangements that were made and understand them in the light of salvation. Paul, on the leadership of the Holy Spirit, Use the marriage arrangements of his day to illustrate how you're saved and where you're headed. Now today, we have a diff different type of ceremony. But there's one thing for sure all of us know. Before you ever get married, you got to be unmarried. Is that right? 
Now I know you know that I won't play on on your you know with with simple things like that very long. But I want you to know before you ever get saved, you got to know you're unsaved. Now it didn't take very many smarts to figure that out, did it? I mean, if you saved, you know it because you knew you were unsaved, and then you got saved. Well, Paul uses the arrangements to let you understand what salvation is. Well, I'm grateful to God tonight that I'm saved. I'm glad I've been born again. But a lot more went into that than just one decision that I made there that day. All right, let's understand the principles of the day. Now, first, let's speak of the decision of the Father. Back in Bible days, and especially in the pages of the Old Testament, a young man did not choose his own wife. The wife was chosen by the son's father. This is the reason why when it came time for a bride for Isaac, Abraham called Eliezer and said, I want you to go into the land of Mesopotamia and get a bride for my son Isaac. So the thought for the bride originated not with the son, but with the father. And no wonder he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, a young girl was fortunate if she married into a rich family. Well, I want you to know, I married the richest of the rich. The wealthiest of the wealthy. I was the poorest of the poor and married the wealthiest of the wealthy. Oh, the Father chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. That's the reason you should enjoy Ephesians chapter 1. No wonder He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that word for blessed there, the first one means speak well of, eulogize. It means to praise, to extol. It means to just have an old-fashioned glory fit. <laughs> you say, I don't believe in doing that. Have you ever seen a young lady who was going to get married to a young man and she was thrilled and tickled? I tell you, they're the silliest of the silly. They're the giddiest of the giddy. They get to giggles and they have a, 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 a countenance all mushy and gushy and all that kind of stuff, you know. And you'd mention the boy's name and she grins and she smiles. Well, see, I've done, I know the rest of this story and you don't. And I'm the one he chose. So I'm blessing the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us. That word blessed there means done us good. Who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, which means coming down from heaven in Christ. Now there's the one you get excited about. Whatever you're going to get, you got to get in Him. All right, now, since we've got the decision of the Father, let me talk about the diary of the Son. Now, see, that doesn't mean a thing in this day, but it did in that day. The Son had to have a diary. It wasn't what the woman had. 
it's what the son had for the woman. <laughs> Hallelujah, brother. How? It wasn't what I had his after. He already had everything, and I had nothing. But he wanted me to have nothing so he could give me everything. <laughs> Woo! That's the reason when the devil comes along and says, you poor thing, you hadn't got anything. I said, you can't give me anything because I got everything. And about that time, he says, all right, if you've got everything, I'll take away what you got. I said, you can't take away what I got because I don't have anything. Hey, Amen. You can't take it away if I hadn't got it, and you can't give it to me if I already got it. But he didn't want me to have anything. He wasn't expecting me to have anything. He didn't tell me to build up a diary. The son was building up a diary. Because, see, the son had to buy the woman. She had to be purchased. He just didn't walk up and say, will you marry me? No, he had to save up in his diary. And he had to go, and as you'll see in a minute, make negotiations for her. But he had to give something for her. And he couldn't get her until he prepared his diary, and it was sufficient for the task. Well, I want you to know, no wonder he said... In him we have redemption through his blood. That means to pay the price. And I want you to know one day on Calvary's cross, he went and died for my sins. He made all the provisions necessary by his precious blood to forgive me of my sins, wash me, and according to the riches of his grace, he said, I got so many things stored up that I want to store out on you. He got said, I got so many things I want to bless you with. I got everlasting life for you. Amen. I got the Holy Ghost for you. I got an eternal inheritance for you. I got a heaven for you. I got a father for you. I got a son for you. I got a Holy Ghost. I got everything ready, Father. Go get her. <laughs> Y'all pray for me. I don't know if I'm going to be able to preach tomorrow night. <clears throat> but that's why Ephesians 1. Talks about what we got in him. That's his diary. Hey, did you know you hadn't got anything to do with what he gives you? And you don't have to ask him for anything. If you ever get him, you got what he's got. So quit trying to get what he's got. If you ever get him, you already got what he's got. That's the reason the Bible says he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He can't give it anymore what he's already got. And when he's already given me, he said, well, I hadn't got all I'm supposed to. Go get it. <laughs> Amen. Oh, what you need to see is the diary of the son. Now, the father would not even go after the bride to the son until the son got his diary ready. And that's the reason I love the truth, that Jesus Christ purchased me with his precious blood, went into heaven itself, and the father and the son got together in heaven he obtained eternal redemption as though to say, Father, is this sufficient to get her? Will my blood get her? And the father said, Son, it'll get her. <laughs> no wonder he purchased us. No wonder he told those Ephesian elders over there in Acts 20 made overseers over the church that he's purchased with his blood. Oh, hallelujah. I was wanted and arranged for before I was invited. Oh, don't tell me he didn't want me 
long before I ever wanted him and knew about him. He had his eye on me. And he was making provisions for me. And so in the Son was all that's necessary. No wonder he said he's blessed us with all spiritual benefits in heavenly places in Christ. It's all in his diary, ladies and gentlemen. It's all in his inheritance. It's all in his arrangements. And once the diary was ready, then the deputy was appointed. Now, don't miss this. What? Some of you are thinking ahead. <laughs> See, the young man, the, the, the man, the young man didn't approach the young lady herself, himself. I mean, he just go over and say, hey, will you marry me? I'm kind of glad some things have changed. <laughs> but I'm glad this hadn't changed in salvation. The son wouldn't approach the young lady and say, will you? That's the reason Abraham sent Eliezer for Isaac. And this is the reason why when Jesus knew that he'd finished all the purchase price, he said, when I get back to heaven, I'm going to ask the Father to send the Holy Ghost in my name. And said, he's going to be my appointed deputy. And that's what he was told. See, when this, when this father and this son got ready to go and approach that bride for that son, they appointed them somewhere, someone in their house to represent their family. And that representative was usually a servant or some relative in the family who knew all about the diary, who knew what the son had, who knew who the father was. And so Jesus said, when the Holy Ghost comes, he'll not speak of himself, but he'll speak of me. That's the reason Eliezer, when he came, began to tell Rebecca's family about Isaac. And when the Holy Ghost came, he began to tell me about the Son of God. No wonder he didn't come to speak of himself. He came to tell me about the Son. And so it was that once the father and the son sent the deputy, the deputy took his entourage with him. He always took some with him. All of them were witnesses. And so once they went to the young lady's house, the young lady's parents appointed a deputy to represent their family. So see, negotiations were going to be made. Now when it came time that these two got together, the two deputies and his entourage and her family's deputy and her family all got together in a formal ceremony in which negotiations were discussed. Now, as soon as they got together, they offered each other a drink, usually of coffee in the East as it is now. The girl's family would offer to the deputy of the boy's family a cup of coffee. But the one thing he always did was refuse the drink. That's the reason when Eliezer got over there in Genesis chapter 24, they offered him a drink, and he said, I'll not drink till I tell my errand. So you see, when you understand the backdrop of what this is all about, you can appreciate your salvation. But once these two deputies got together, this deputy that represented the father's house said, no, I've come on a mission. I won't drink until we have negotiated. So what he did, he began to tell the deputy that represented that girl's family what he would give and what he had done. And the deputy wanted to know, will this young lady be his? Well, this deputy over here would say, 
what are you going to give for her? And the father's deputy would say, all that the son has provided. Hallelujah. I'm glad when the Holy Ghost came to me to negotiate. And he had something to give me. But listen, it was on both sides. Because this deputy would say, the son will be willing to give you all that he's got and he'll purchase you and he'll purchase her. But she's going to have to leave where she is. And see, there wasn't any guess so, think so, or maybe so. That's the reason why the terms laid down by the deputy is if you're going to become the bride of the Lord Jesus, you're going to have to change your mind, repent of your sins, leave where you are, and leave the family you've got and everybody. And that means you guys, this deputy over here has got to know that this deputy over here that represents the son requires that you leave father and mother and brother and sister and home and possessions and place and time and everything else, everything you've got, you leave in order to become his. So they're negotiating. And see, that's what happens when the Holy Ghost comes and deals with you about your sin problem. He comes and tells you, you're a sinner and you're lost. And you say, well, that's terrible. No, it's not. It's terrible if you stay that way. What's good is when you look out there and see the two deputies negotiating for you. That's the reason I can't understand why people don't want to get saved. And I know why they don't, because they've never seen. And if God ever opens their eyes, if the devil ever opens their eyes and lets them see the Son and to whom they can belong, why, that's joy unspeakable and full of glory. I thank Him tonight. I praise Him tonight for the negotiations. Finally, if she decided she would, this deputy over here that represented her and her family would get with them. And these two deputies agreed. And then once they agreed, they drank the coffee together. And they said, hey, she's not his yet. They're not even a spouse yet. They're just promised. But the promise is not the espousal. That's when the two deputies got together. Because the two deputies were negotiating according to the terms and the agreement. And that's the reason why you better thank God for the word of God because there's the terms and the negotiation. And I want you to know God doesn't negotiate with anything less than the terms he laid down. Say, what's next? Well, after they had their finishing drink, these two deputies go back. This deputy tells this girl and her family what was required. She knows what's required. And even though these two deputies have agreed, now the young lady's got to make a decision herself. So this deputy comes back and says they'd agreed. So then the son and the father kind of deck themselves out, and they go to a ceremony called the espousal ceremony or the betrothal. Call it whatever you want to call it. Paul said, I have espoused you. Here we come. Here we come. Now, she's kind of decked out. He's decked out. Now, he has something with him. It's not a wedding ring, but it's a ring. And with what we call an engagement ring. That's read verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 1 said, He hath given us the earnest of the inheritance. The first part, and that's the modern-day Greek word for engagement ring. Oh, did you know when you got the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost became your engagement ring. 
But watch why that happened. I'm in there all dressed up now. Well, it's not fixing to take place. It's spousally. But once this spousal is done, it's settled. That's the reason Jesus could say if you committed fornication, you could separate because the fornication, I mean, you, you had to divorce because that fornication was a time between the spousal and the man, marriage and the wedding. So when they came together at this spousal ceremony, he came dressed up, she came dressed up, and then they came together. And that's when he popped the question. Will you? They say, well, now they'd already agreed with the negotiations. Yeah, you can agree with the Word of God, too. But you still got to come to Jesus. No wonder he said, you've got to receive me. But as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. It's not just good enough to believe in him as far as belief is concerned. Somewhere you've got to receive him and answer him. Yes, I do, or no, I won't. So when they came to this apostle, and he said, in essence, will you? And she said, I will. He took that gold ring and put it, put it on her and said, you're mine. That's exactly what Paul meant when he said, I have espoused you as a chaste virgin to Christ that I may present you. Glory to God, I remember my espousal. I remember the day I got saved. Hallelujah, that was good. But don't, hey, listen, I'm still excited about the espousal. But what excites me is where I'm going. I feel sorry for these folks who got over what they got. Because if you can get over it, I wonder whether or not you had it. Because when you get a spouse, that means it just begins. That's engagement period. He said, well, why in the world would he call it engagement period now? Instead of just a wedding now. Well, you know that. Nobody has to tell you that. I remember when I gave my wife our engagement, her engagement ring. We was on a college campus. Next day, she went around this way. I mean, everybody she walked up to, she said, you seen that? You seen that? Hey, Amen. And that's when they didn't use weddings. Because weddings, see, you run off and hide. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. When I got saved, I got the Holy Ghost, and I've been going around and hadn't got over it yet. I say, look who's I am. Look who's I am. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. No wonder he said I'm sealed with the Holy Ghost till the day of redemption. He sealed it with a ring. That's what it means. It's a finished transaction. And when that young man gave that gold ring to that lady, he said, you're mine. I've sealed it. And you let everybody know with this ring whose you are. And that's the reason I belong to the Son of God, the King of kings, Lord of lords. That's the reason the Heavenly Father is my Father. I made the wisest decision I ever made. And you know yourself. If he'd have used wedding, you know how you folks aren't got married. Before he got married, when you was engaged, man, you'd drive any distance to be with her. Remember? It didn't make any difference if it rained, sleeted, snowed. Wherever she was, you was going to show up. Mm-hmm. That's the way you showed up, too. 
And I, that was also the period of time, by the way. See, I might better tell you this so you'll understand. There was at least a year between this espousal and the wedding. He sent her back home after this. And he went to his house and told her, I go to prepare a place for you. And when I prepare that place for you, I'll come get you. <laughs> now where I am, there you can be also. <laughs> I better get my hanky out. you remember <clears throat> during that period of time I, I, can, I can remember Rachel you know if Rachel even thought I was coming she even thought I was coming she was decked out <laughs> I didn't even know until after we married that she didn't look like she just came out of a beauty parlor all the time I want to tell you ladies something. It's a shock to see you in rollers and house coats and floppy shoes. Uh, we didn't know you looked that way. <laughs> but if she even thought, Brother Hal, that I was coming, she had her hair fixed. She's dialed up. No wonder Paul said that he might present you unto himself. That he said he might wash you and cleanse you with the washing of the water by the word. You know what she did when she came back over here? She took baths every day. They, they required that her skin look like marble. So they put her in perfume and frankincense and myrrh and all that and let her take milk baths. <laughs> we would call them. You say, what was she doing? She's a washing and a dolling herself up and dressing herself up for the presentation at the wedding. And that's what Paul meant when he said, now you've been procreated, brought into existence, and now you're being dressed up, prepared for the presentation to the Son of God. Amen. No matter he, no wonder he's a washing me up and cleansing me up and getting me decked out and dolled up just to present to himself. Boy, if you don't think I didn't appreciate Rachel the way she looked too, you're kidding. And during the engagement time, she looked that way every time I ever saw her. Tickle me to death. I'd get the giggle. And I want to tell you something else. If I found where she was during that spousal period, I showed up there, and I went early and stayed late. That's the reason I don't understand these folks who don't like to come to church. You don't like to come to church, son. Son, I wonder why not you saved. You say, why? Because this is our parlor. This is my neck in place. Hey, hey, hey. You better read Ephesians chapter 1. That's what Ephesians chapter 1 talks about. Hey, made known the pleasure of his will. See, back in the old days, when they had parlors, a boy would go visit a girl, and all, mama would put him in a parlor. That was always a place where they could be alone. She could watch him through the curtains. And so what the... What the boy and the girl do, they'd pull a sneaky and whisper. And that's what Ephesians 1 meant when it said, made known unto us the pleasure of his will, the mystery of his will. He keeps a whispering to me and telling me what the word of God says, and the world keeps listening and saying, I can't understand it. I know you can't, because I'm the bride. 
Whoo! He's purposed some things in himself. He's got some things on his mind. I know when Rachel and I were engaged, I go tell her, listen, honey, I won't tell you. I'm gonna be good to you. I'm gonna provide for you. I'll tell you what kind of house you're gonna live in. I promised her everything you could think of and anything else I could think of. I'm just glad Jesus could fulfill all of his promises. <laughs> and I know none of you did that, did you, brother? No, no, you didn't do that, no, no. <laughs> but you see, during those days, that was a precious time. That was an exciting time. Man, listen, folks, I, I, I didn't go there and sit down on the couch with her and then about an hour let my arm go down like this. And she said, what are you doing? Well, I was wondering what time this is going to get over. <laughs> huh? Some of you come to church. What time is this thing going to get over? What time are we going to get out? You don't even know what church is about. Praise God, Jesus said he'll manifest himself in the midst of the church. It's where Jesus shows up, and he's my bridegroom, and I'm going to show up wherever he is. Why? Because we're a spouse one to another, and I'm going to come, and I'm going to be as early as I can and stay as late as I can. In fact, when we was engaged, I was in junior college, and I stayed on the campus, and curfew was 10 o'clock. And so she'd start about 9 o'clock running me off. It always took me an hour to get to the door. You said you always leave by 10? No, I knew the night watchman. And he'd let me come in whenever I wanted to. But even when I had to leave, I said, how about tomorrow night? He said, didn't you ever get tired of seeing her? No, that's the reason I don't ever get tired of coming to the meeting house of God. I don't get tired of this parlor. I don't get tired of this loving with him because he's my bridegroom. No wonder he said I'm a spouse to him. I'm engaged to him. I'm headed to a wedding. I'm going to tell you something else about that spouse spirit. I don't get offended. Do you folks get mad easy? I don't mean anything by this. But that was a time when she stayed slim and trim for him. Don't punch your husband. <laughs> Boy, that was the time she was more interested in losing weight than gaining it. That's the time when she wouldn't let herself go. She kept herself. My, even my mother-in-law could offer her pie and things like that that were fattening. She said, no, thank you. No, thank you. You said, well, what caused her to deny herself certain things? Her love for me. She didn't do it because she had to. She did it because of who I am. And I want you to know your discipline for the Lord Jesus Christ to be what he wants or whatever you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do it for the glory of God. You do it because of whose you are and not who you are. Oh, I can go on with that. I got a whole sermon in that. I'm almost preaching to you. But that's the reason why it's in the spousal, Okay. And that's the reason why the ring's given as a seal. And that's the reason why when the Holy Spirit comes and convicts you of your sin and he represents the Father and the Son, he's going to reveal to you what the Son will give you and why it was necessary for you to, to receive him. 
Because, see, to go live in the Father's house, you had to do whatever the deputy said that represented the Father. And if you're planning to go to heaven, you've got to be born again, and you've got to be purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He said, well, I don't want the blood. Well, just remember this. You can't go to the Father's house, and you can't belong to the Son. The Son gave his blood, and that's the redemptive price. That's the purchasing price. And he says you've got to have everlasting life, and that's a gift from the Lord Jesus himself. And when you get the Son, you'll have the life. So if you're planning to go to heaven, you're going to have to have a place where you answer the Lord Jesus Christ, yes, I will, or no, I won't. And that's what it means to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And when you do, I want you to know that's not the end. That is the beginning of all that God has for you. And the best is yet to come, not behind you. No wonder he said, they that gladly receive the word were baptized. No wonder the child of God is giggly and silly and excited and blessed when it comes to the meeting house of God and living for the Lord. Why? Because the Holy